Can you turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Psalms? And we're going to read together the Psalm 1, which we've sung already this morning. The Psalm 1, as Samuel said, my name's Adam Kennedy. I'm from our Sandown congregation. It's good to be here in Market Hill. And we thank Mr. Patterson and your session for the welcome along today. Psalm 1, and we're going to read this whole passage together. Psalm 1, and starting at the opening verse, our reading. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We trust and pray that God will add his own blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Let's just bow our hearts in a word of prayer as we come to God's word this morning. Our God and our Father, we come before thee in prayer, and Lord, we thank thee already for a real sense of thy presence upon us. Lord, we thank thee for the privilege that it is to come into thy house to worship thee today. And oh Lord, we just pray for this time that we spend around thy word. Lord, we pray that we would hear the voice of God speaking to us. Oh Lord, I pray you would fill me with thy spirit, Lord, that I may speak as thus saith the Lord. We pray for everyone in the pew today. We pray for every heart that would listen, Lord, for those who are saved, that you would challenge them in their walk for God. For those who are still outside of Christ, oh Lord, challenge them about their need to be saved. And we pray that you would even crown this day with thy great salvation. So Lord, come and speak to us, to your hearts. Good, we pray. For we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. I don't think there's anyone that would disagree with me this morning. If I were to say that we are all different people, we all have our own likes, we all have our own hobbies, we all look different, and we have our own preferences, and so no two people are the same. But one thing that we all share in common this morning is that we know what it is to grow up. We all know what it is uh, to get older, and every year we're reminded of that on our birthdays when we have to add another candle uh, to the cake, and as we get older it seems that we don't have much room in the cake To put all the candles, then we have to move to the numbered candles instead. But this reminds us that we are all growing, we're all aging. And as I look out this morning at the congregation, I see some that are young, and let's say some that aren't so young. And so there is a wide range. And in the Word of God, in Psalm number 1, we are reminded that the Christian as well is one that matures, one that develops, and one that grows up. The Bible itself speaks about feeding on the milk of God's Word, and then the Apostle Paul talks about eating the strong meat of the Word of God, and that speaks of a development in our Christian diet and in our Christian lives. And in Psalm number one this morning, we are presented with an experienced believer, one that is mature in the things of God. And therefore, we want to focus on verses one to three of Psalm one under the title of the Believer's Guide to growth. The believer's guide to growth. First of all, notice with me this morning that there must be faith in our lives. 
If we are to grow with God, first of all, we are to have faith. I'm sure you will know that Psalm 1 is a psalm of contrast. The first three verses speak of this man that is saved, this man that knows God. And verses 4 to 6 speak about the ungodly, the man that is lost and without God. And already there, as we come to Psalm 1, we see one man that is saved, another man that is lost. And that is the only distinction in all of mankind. It doesn't matter about our nationality, our background, where we come from. The only distinction that God makes between men is either if we are saved in Christ or lost without him. And therefore, as we begin our message this morning, let me ask you, are you saved? Do you know what it is to have God as the Savior? Or are you still in your sin without God and far from him? But look at the first word of Psalm 1 as we come to consider this believer. Because it says, blessed is the man. Blessed. And that word blessed in the original tells us that he is happy. This is a man that is full of joy. And this man had a joy, and it wasn't just an earthly joy. It wasn't just a happiness that came and then went away the next day. This was a constant and continual joy that was given to him from God. The psalmist David in the psalm speaks about the joy of salvation, and that is what is being described here in this word, blessed. Because this man knew God, he was then blessed. He was then happy in the Lord. But that word blessedness or blessed can also be translated into the plural. And we could read verse 1 as all blessedness belongs to the man. And so what this word blessed in Psalm 1 verse 1 is seeking to tell us is that this man was happy because he was bestowed with a multitude of blessings. There was a wide number of blessings, so much so that they could not be numbered. And we think about the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20, and he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. And that speaks about the multitude of blessings that God bestows upon us in salvation. His grace knows no limit. And so the Lord is able to meet all the needs of our lives and our hearts. And we can be called blessed. We can be called happy because we are in the Lord. And so we see this man was saved And because of that, because of the fact that he knew God, we go on to see in verse 1 that this man lived his life in a very particular way. He lived his life away from the things of the world because we are told of three activities that this man does not get himself involved in. Look at verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And this first phrase shows us straight away that there's a difference In this man's life, the word counsel there of the ungodly talks about the doctrines or the teachings of the world. Basically, it means that he's not walking in the way that the world would tell him to walk. This was a man that had discernment. He saw that the world was going one way. They were on the broad road that was leading to hell and destruction. But this was a man that was not walking on that way. This was a man that was on the narrow way, going to heaven and going to home. And so we see that this was a man that walked worthy of the Lord. In all that he does, in all that he practiced day by day, he wanted to honor God in his life. Are we like that this morning? If we confess Christ, if we say we are a Christian, 
Then do our lives speak for God? Do we live day by day to follow Him? Are we walking away from the world? Are we not following after what everyone else is doing? But are we set apart to live and please the Lord? He didn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. That word standeth in verse 1 is quite a strong verb. It speaks about the sinners standing in the way. And that word stand means they are deep-rooted, they're firm, they're stubborn. They're not going to be moved out of this road that they're on. And yet nothing was going to stop the sinners going down the way. And yet here was a man, and he was not ashamed to identify himself with God. This was a man that was on a less traveled road. Many were on the broad way, as Christ taught, less were on the narrow way. But this was a man that was firmly fixed in God, firmly rooted in him. And as you will see in verse 3, when we are founded in Christ, when we are rooted in him, then we will be blessed and we will be able to be a blessing then to others. He didn't stand in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful at the end of verse 1. The seat of the scornful refers to the criticism of the ungodly. Those who would be quick to point the finger at the Christian or at the church when problems arise in the world. That is what is meant by the seed of the scornful. Those who see fault in others but don't see the fault and need in their own life. They overlook that. But this was a man that wasn't sitting on such a seat. This man realized that because he was saved, he had to live his life according to God. And now he has no desire to be found fellowshipping with the world. This man had true faith. This man knew God. This was a man that was saved and therefore he lived for the Lord. And do our actions today, do our behaviors, does every single thing that we do in our lives honor God? We should live for him. We should be pleasing him if we are his children. There must be faith in our walk for our guide to growth. There must be faith, but second of all, in verse 2, there must be focus. There must be focus. Because from verse 1 to verse 2, verse 1 told us about the things that this man doesn't do, but then verse 2 tells us of what he does do in his life. And we are moved away from the public testimony into the private testimony. Verse 1 describes these activities that everybody would have seen around him. The world would have seen that this man was living differently. But verse 2 brings us into the private testimony. You see, even when this man was alone, even when no other person saw what he was doing, he remembered that God sees me. That was what Hagar said, Thy God seest me. And this was a man that even in his own time stayed true to the Lord. His delight was in the law of the Lord. And again, that word delight doesn't just simply mean that it was something enjoyable. In the original, these words are far stronger because that word delight speaks of something that was of great value. This was something that was pleasurable to this man. This was something that he cherished above everything else. This man placed importance on this one thing. And what was it that this man cherished above everything else? It was the law of the Lord. It was the word of God. It was the Bible. And this was a man, therefore, that valued the word of God. Personally, when I studied this verse number two, it challenged my heart. 
It rebuked my heart because so often we can take the word of God for granted. And perhaps if you go home today after the morning service, I'm sure you would go home and you might have a bookshelf. And on that bookshelf, there might not just be one copy of God's word. There might be multiple copies of the word of God. And we have a collection of Bibles that we own. And yet do we value the word of God? How highly do we cherish it? in our lives? Does it outshine everything else? Do we place it above everything else? That is how we are to view the Word of God. You think of examples of men who gave their lives for the Word of God. You think of William Tyndale, who was the pioneer of the English translation of the Bible. He spent over 500 days in prison. He even went and was burnt at a stake. And you say to me, why did he do that? Well, he did it because he had a love for the Word of God. He had a devotion to the Word. He wanted other people to have the Word of God in their language. Oh, he would realize that we have a privilege today to be able to own a copy of God's Word, to be able to come together, open it up, read it, and hear it preached. That is a privilege given from God. This man delighted in the law of the Lord. And verse 2 goes on to say, In his law doth he meditate day and night. You see, this man realized that he had a possession that he needed to use. It was one thing to know that the Word of God was valuable, but it's another thing then to use it. And we see that this man took time to study the Word of God. We see that in the word meditate. That word meditate means to think upon. This was a man that considered what he read. You think about Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, we see Christ laying down the Lord's Prayer, the pattern of how his followers should pray. And in Matthew 6, verse 11, the words are given, give us this day our daily bread. And so this man wanted the daily bread from the Lord. You think about bread as a food item. It's a staple food. You need it in your diet to give you all of the necessary vitamins in order to strengthen you for the day. And so it is for the Christian. We need the Word of God daily in our lives. We must meditate upon it. and We must think upon it. We must read it and then digest it, take it in. That is what is meant by the verb meditate. He thinks upon it. It's not enough that we see the Word of God as just a book we can pick up in the morning, read for two minutes, put it down, then go out into the world, live, for, live in the world for the whole day, and then have no thought about what we've read. It's not just a simply an activity or a chore that we are to read the Word, then I can tick that off my spiritual to-do list. No, it shouldn't be seen as that. It should be seen as a delight. It should be seen as the first thing we want to do in the morning is get to the Word of God and think upon what is God saying to my heart today. Is that not why we come? to hear the word of God preach, to hear what God would have to say in us. For in God's word, we are presented with bread. We're presented with the bread of life. We're presented with Christ, the one who is able to save us. And then when we are saved, we are able to be brought closer to him and know that closer walk with God. In his law doth he meditate day and night. Day and night. He was constant, he was continual in his worship. It's a good idea. I would advise you to get a routine 
daily of when you would go and you would spend time in the Word of God, shut out all other distractions. It's good to have a quiet time with God that is so important. And this was a man that day and night, each day, without fail, read the Word of God. Do we do such a thing? Are we in the Word? Maybe we open the Bible on a Sunday, put it down. Don't open it again till the next Lord's Day. That's not the case. That's not how it should be for the Christian. You should pick up the God's Word day by day. Listen to Him. And may we be like Samuel. For when God called Samuel, Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. May we always be open and ready to hear what God would have to say to us. The believer's guide to growth. There must be faith. There must be focus. But thirdly and finally this morning, there must then be fruitfulness. There must be fruitfulness. Because in verse 3, we see that this man is likened on to a tree. It says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And here is where it's confirmed to us that this man is experienced. This man has no doubt for many years been walking with the Lord. You consider a tree. In order for a tree to be a tree, there must be a process that has gone through. First of all, there has to be preparing of the soil and the ground. The seed has to be planted. The seed has to be catered for. So then it can germinate. And eventually that seed will turn into a sapling. And then that sapling will eventually turn into a tree. And then when it is a tree, it is fully developed. Once it is a tree, that is the process finished. It can't grow into anything further once it's a tree. And so what verse 3 is seeking to tell us is this was a man that was developed. This was a man that had grown in the things of God. He had grown in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, as the Apostle Paul tells us to do. And you think also of a tree. A tree is reliable. A tree is strong. And so it is when we are rooted in Christ, rooted in the things of God, and we have a firm foundation that we will be able to stand fast for the Lord. Notice where this tree was planted in verse 3. It says, planted by the rivers of water. This tree had everything that it needed to grow. And spiritually in the Lord, we have everything that we need to grow in our lives. Turn with me to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, and the verse 1. Psalm 42 is a Masco psalm. That means it's a psalm of instruction to our hearts. Psalm 42 in the verse 1, it says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And here we have again a believer that is desiring and longing. He's panting for the Lord. He is longing, he's desiring with everything that he has to hear what God would speak to him. For God is our living water. He is our spiritual nourishment day by day. And when we read those words in Psalm 42, verse 1, do we have such a desire in our hearts to hear God's word? The tree in Psalm 1 didn't just grow, but it also flourished because it says that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This was a tree that was given fruit And this was a believer that was fruitful in his life. It wasn't because there was anything 
particularly good in this believer, that he was above everyone else, had great abilities. The only reason that he was fruitful is because God sought fit to make this man fruitful in his will. Remember Christ when he spoke about the good tree and the bad tree? He says, by their fruits ye shall know them. And so I ask you, what fruit are you producing today in your life? Are we seeking with everything that we have, whatever God has placed us, whatever ministry we might be involved in, in the church here, are we seeking to see God's name advanced? God is pleased to bless us, and he is the only one that is able to bless us. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, concerning the church in Corinth, Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God, God gave the increase. God alone is the answer. He's the one that we need to move in our lives, in our churches, in our land. It's only God that can help us. Spurgeon said when commenting on verse 3, Charles Spurgeon said these words. He said, The Lord's trees are all evergreens. No winter's cold can destroy their verdure. And yet, unlike evergreens in our country, they are all fruit bearers. And no matter what we may face spiritually, no matter what winter's cold, no matter what attack from the world may come upon us as we stand for God, God will help us, sustain us, to be fruitful. His leaf also shall not wither. That's a promise that we will continue to prosper when we stand with God. And again, that's emphasized at the end of verse 3, that whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That word prosper literally means to have success. You might have a question in your mind, how can I have success in this life? If you want to know true success, you live for God. You're saved by God, and you're seeking to see his name advanced in this world. I leave you this morning with words of warning, because yes, we've considered the Believer's Guide to Growth, these different aspects that there must be, but maybe I speak to someone and you're not even a believer today. You haven't came to the Lord, you haven't trusted in him as yet. Look at the last verse of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 verse 6 says this, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Dear believer, you can take encouragement from verse 6 today. If you're saved, if you're living for God, the Lord knows you. The Lord sees you. The Lord is going to help you as you seek to live on for him. But if there's someone that's not saved, there's a warning for you today. The way of the ungodly shall perish. If you're without Christ today, remember the end of your ways. You're in need of a Savior today. You're in need of one who is able to save you, and the Lord alone is able to meet that need. He is the one that we have been reading about. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He alone is the one that is able to save you from your sin. And therefore, today I recommend to you my Savior. I recommend to you Christ. For he can save you because of his atoning death on the cross. Because of the blood that was shed and is able to cleanse you from every sin. Will you come to him today? Will you ask him into your heart? And will you start this journey as a believer to go on and to go through with God? I pray that the Lord would bless these words 
to our hearts this morning.